0: Welcome to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. Our host, Oscar Endermo, will, together with guests, share proven, tested strategies for improving your life and business. At the end of each episode, you will learn how you can use technology to implement those strategies into your daily life. We want to help you bridge the gap from inspiration to implementation. Welcome to another episode of the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. This episode is with Steve Cronin, who is a f- an expert on, finance, on personal finances. So we talk about how to manage your money during crisis. Because, yeah, as we're recording this, we the corona crisis is around the world. Billions of people are in lockdown. And, yeah... The financial stress can be quite um, hard for a lot of people. So Steve gives a lot of tips and uh, strategies on how to deal with your finances during this crisis. And uh, he's an expert on this and shares a lot of valuable information that can help you with your financial situation during the corona crisis. This episode is sponsored by BuenaVida.se. BuenaVida is a bookstore for people that wants to live the good life. A lot of the books that you can find on Buenavida.se is by authors that have been on po- this podcast. For example, you'll find the books by Professor Unnestol, you'll find the books by Igor and uh, Frederick Presto, and yeah, many of the other uh, experts that have been on this podcast are working with Buenavida, and you can find their books on their website. Use the link in the blog post to this episode, and go to BuenaVida.se, and you find lots of interesting books in the field of personal development. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello, good to
0: be here. Good to see you. Last time it was face to face, but yeah, now we're thanks to technology, we can still meet over the internet. Beautiful.
1: It's the new reality, right? I think we're (laughs) going to have to get used to it for a a year or so. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Virtually.
0: Yeah, I know you do workshops and we're going to talk about that later. And you have moved your workshops online. But first, I wanted to say that when I met you the first time a couple of years ago, we were part of the same network group. And then you were a small business owner uh, and then lately you started this dead simple saving. which you will get into, but uh, what was your background at first? I know you did consultancy work before you were small business owner. So what is Steve's background?
1: Yeah. Well, my background is I, I studied uh, physiology and psychology at, at Cambridge university. And then I thought, oh, I don't want to, I don't really want to be a scientist. So I, uh, Talked my way into management consultancy, and uh, I joined a, uh, a consulting firm that specialised in financial services. And so, then for the next ten years, I all around the world, I just advised banks and sovereign wealth funds and asset managers on how to uh, how to improve their performance and and open up new uh, new banks, new capabilities, all that sort of stuff. And it was great fun. But post the crisis, and I suppose this is relevant for now, mm-hmm. post 2008. The last crisis, I started, yeah. I started thinking, what do I really, really, really want to do? And, and I just got itchy feet a little bit. And so I, I set up my business, uh, which is a, uh, a sports science consultancy. So that's one of the businesses that I have. Mm-hmm. And it was so totally, it was going back to my science roots. I think that's what I wanted to do is go back. Mm-hmm. My roots. So, and just uh, sorry to
0: interrupt. Sorry to interrupt you, but one thing: how does uh, did you study f- psychology, and yeah, and you become a management consultant? How did you convince them that that degree would
1: help you in your financial? <laughs> life? You know what? The, the The wonderful thing about the UK is that you can study anything you like, as long as you went to a good university and you turn up at the interview and you've got good results, and you can convince them that you are genuinely interested in consulting and the industry, okay. they'll let you in. And you can learn this stuff fairly quickly. Okay. Okay. Um, it's different to maybe Sweden, certainly other places in Europe, where if you want to be a banker from the age of 16, you have to start doing your finance studies and your economics and your banking. It's not like that at all.
0: Mm, okay, uh, sorry to interrupt. I was just thought it was so interesting. Your degree is so different than what you did. Okay, so back I, to. I think it actually I, I
1: think it makes for a more yeah. well rounded person and more interesting people. So we have people who study classics, anthropology, all sorts of stuff. And you just bring something a little bit different to, mm. to the table, I think. Mm. So I wanted to go back to that. And selling physical products, being in sports science, it was so different to what I was doing um, before. Uh, made me realise that PowerPoint slides uh, are just—they don't count for anything in in the real world of entrepreneurship <laughs> and small business ownership. So, uh, yeah, that was a that was an awakening for sure. Um, over, I didn't completely burn my bridges, and again, you know, I think we'll talk about this for people who are looking to move into entrepreneurship. It's quite nice to be able to move between the corporate world and the small business world. Mm. So I saw loads of people who were freelancing and contracting for the consulting firms who had been with me in the consulting firms five, 10 years ago, done a startup, hadn't worked out, gone back to do some contracting, made some money, try again. It's actually a really nice safety net to have, and so uh, I've done some some consulting, some contracting as well. It's been super interesting, mainly around sovereign wealth funds and, and nation building stuff that I'm really interested in, and then that has complemented and enabled me to take more risk in the in the startups that I do. Okay,
0: so we're going to talk about uh, the finance finance part, your personal finances. So. You you're behind something called dead simply simply saving, not deadly simply dead simply saving. Yeah, not
1: deadly. <laughs> it's
0: not deadly what you're doing.
1: So yeah, what is the story behind that? When did you start this? So so what happened is about 2012. Uh, I I decided to, I, I remember being in the car with my friend, and we're driving down Shakespeare Road, and and I'm starting to explain to her that I've just been to see this financial advisor and I'm going to invest in this long-term plan. And in my head, I'm, I'm congratulating myself for being an adult. And I'm saying, you know, like, this is, I'm finally being an adult and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to see this guy and we're going to do something clever with my money. Well done, me. But back in the real world, my, my friend says, look, please don't. Invest in these plans. I lost loads of money in one of these plans, and and it was a real wake-up call for me. And and I like to think that she she vaccinated me against this financial virus. That I think fifty percent of people certainly in in the UAE uh, have fifty percent of expats. Probably the same in Hong Kong, Singapore, Saudi, Vietnam, other expat-heavy countries, and. I started looking into these plans and I was really shocked because I was like, look, I am in financial services. I should different part of financial service, but I should be savvy enough to realize how plan how bad these plans are. I wish I met your friend uh, in 2007
0: because uh, I signed up for a plan in 2007 and when I started my business in 2010, I had to cancel the whole plan and uh, you know, the 20, 20 years, uh, penalties come in one go. So yeah. yeah i i wish i met your friend at the time but i didn't so yeah Yeah, (laughs) but is this an uh, expat problem or is it also in uh in uk or uh it's not the same problem
1: it's mainly an emerging markets problem because the the uk australia us europe they've really clamped down on these sorts of practices and these sorts of products and so uh advisors can't get away with selling such bad products for commission. And the reason that these products exist is because the, the commission is so big, you might get $5,000, $10,000 the day that your client signs. So of course, the, the, the adviser is going to sell his grandmother to persuade you to get into one of these products. And, and then, yeah, you get ripped off and you can't get out of them very easily without losing lots of money because your money has gone to pay the commission. And and so these products were banned in the UK in the 80s and 90s. And what happened is this diaspora of British financial advisors to other countries that had less strict regulations. And so Dubai, Hong Kong, Singapore, classic examples. And since then, they've been getting away with it. And, And so this was a real wake up call for me. And it made me realize that I needed to take control of my own finances. And, and I, I couldn't trust other people and other advisors. And I just needed to put in the time to figure this out and then to show other people how to do the same. And it made me really passionate about it. And, and I've seen other people as well who, you know, they get burnt or they nearly get burnt by these things. And then it's a wake up when you're like, I've got, to, I've got to actually do this myself. And so that's, that's part of the message of Dead Simple Saving is that A, it's actually simple. You know, the financial services industry would love you to think, that you cannot do this by yourself and and everything's terribly complicated that's what i was told yeah the more complex that a product is the more ways they can hide little bits of profit in there and take leech more money off you right Mm. so so obviously financial services provides very useful services in the most part but there are plenty of areas where actually they're just selling you something extra cheap or putting you in an account that doesn't make any interest or whatever. Um, so you just have to get savvy about this. And, and the message for me, what I'm passionate about is to show people that it is dead simple, like it is really simple to save and invest as an expat. I think expats are like horribly underserved in a, in a, um, in a proper way. Uh, all around the world and that's why so my mission is, it's always good to have a mission right my mission yeah, is to help yeah. 1 million expats to reach um, financial independence um, through teaching them how to plan their finances and save and invest and um, that keeps me on the straight and narrow you know so I'm not just uh, drinking beer and slobbing around on the sofa all day <laughs> it gets me up in the morning you know
0: yeah no. So uh, the last year I uh, start seeing your name coming uh, everywhere in Dubai. Suddenly you were on the Business Breakfast Morning Show and I saw you on the National. Oh, there's Steve Cronin again. So uh, I, I believe your message was um, important for a lot of people. Uh, so you I know what's interesting about that is
1: that, that I you know, obviously was a consultant for, for 10 plus years working really, really hard. Uh, I have my sports science business. Um, is only when I started doing Dead Simple Saving that I suddenly got all this exposure and people would ask me on the radio, people would ask me on TV about SME, small business banking. I used to specialize in that when I was a consultant. They would ever ask me on the TV. You know? <laughs> so, so it's like when you find that right path, there's just so much less friction and suddenly mm-hmm. you can just... Um, expand much more rapidly uh, if yeah. you find kind of what you are supposed to do.
0: Yeah, so that's I think is uh, one of the first lessons of this episode. If you're listening to this, that uh, find your mission, and then everything will be easier. <laughs> so, um, yeah,
1: I, I really, I really, really passionate about this. Really hot in this. When I when I do my weekend workshops, uh, which is like ten hours over the weekend about planning, saving, investing we start with mindset. We start with having intention for your money because most of us are just drifting around, right? Mm. You know, I was in consulting for 10 years and I learned loads, but was I always fully intentional about what I was doing or was I just on the treadmill of work Mm. doing what I was familiar with and not having intention? And, And if you don't have intention in your life, then you're just drifting around, you know, meeting the needs of family and earning money and friends and socializing. And what will happen, the only thing that will wake you up is some kind of negative external stimulus, right? Whether a shark is chasing you or your a parent dies or, or your kid gets sick. And, and then suddenly you're like, blam! And, and, and you realize that you were put on this earth to raise money for children's cancer hospitals or, or whatever it is. And you make damn sure that every every dollar that you earn and every hour of your day is used efficiently. Mm. Uh, and for the rest of us, you just, we're just like easy come, easy go. You know, we earn money, we live, we watch Netflix. And, and, and I, rather than waiting for some external negative stimulus to slap you in the face, I want you to have some internal positive stimulus say like this is my mission and this is what I'm going to do and therefore I'm going to make sure that all my dollars are used sensibly and my time is used efficiently because when you have that intention you have that mission then your money and your time and and your friends and your family uh, everything aligns and anything that doesn't align just gets like blown away Mm. and and you won't miss it at all so so and I always say that if you don't have intention in your life, you won't be able to have intention with your money. It's just too Mm -hmm. hard that a stock market goes down or you want to buy a nice handbag or a a fancy phone or or whatever it is where you get into too much debt or you lose your job, your intention will just go out the window. So you have to have really firm intention of your life so that you can have intention in your money. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I think I drive people, a bit crazy by, you know, they come to me to talk about investing. I'm like, well, wait a second. Like investing is the end, right? That's the end of the process. Firstly, you have to get your intention clear in your life, then your intention for your money. Then you have to understand how to use your money to generate financial independence. Then you have to talk about cash and debt. And only when you know how much you can put in the stock market and when that's going to enable you to stop work then let's talk about investing. Mm. So I always did, have to p- bring people like eight steps back.
0: Did, did your uh, wife uh, has uh, influence you on this? Uh,
1: she, uh, she's, she's. I'm lucky in that she's pretty sensible. In yeah. it. So, so um, she's also as a as a kind of mindset relationship coach. She's yeah. definitely got me thinking more about the mindset stuff. Yeah. And actually, in my workshop. I make people write a letter to money, which is a bit of a lucky thing that I would never (laughs) have done otherwise. But she she mentioned this and then I did it myself and I was like, wow, this is actually a way to communicate with the bits of your brain that you try and hide, like your most embarrassing money mistakes. And, And when you write it down and you address money as a person, you're like, why have I always found this relationship with you so difficult or whatever? You'd be amazed what comes out. It's, it's mm. good stuff, powerful stuff.
0: Well, that's a good exercise that people can do at home. Huh? And just to clarify uh, your uh, wife is, uh, yeah, but what, what's her title is a mindset coach or what would you say? That- she's a,
1: so she's a relationship coach mm. and, uh, and also an, an equus coach. So she uses how people interact with horses oh, as yeah, a way yeah. of understanding how people mm. interact with their mm. team, their partner, are human, mm. Because human, uh, horses don't care about your social position in the human hierarchy or the mm. company hierarchy. But what they really care about is they're very sensitive to uh, pulse, uh, um, heart rate, all these sorts of things. Um, and congruency between your body language and, uh, and your behavior. Mm. And, and then your physical, you know, your physical attributes. So, so they're very, very sensitive because they're herd animals and they will just tell you exactly whether they want to spend time with you or not, and whether Mm. they're going to obey you or, or not. Mm. So it's a, it's a, it's a clever way of understanding how you behave in relationships, um, and how you behave in your team as well. It's pretty Mm. cool stuff.
0: (laughs) So it seems like a smart move to have a partner that is a relationship coach and,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have our once a quarter. We try and have our little relationship offsite, <laughs> where we go through like every single aspect of a relationship you can think of, and just we, we write notes privately, okay, and then yeah, we yeah. come and talk about all of it in a no blame, no stress okay. situation. It's really good. That yeah, I, I recommend it. Mm.
0: <laughs> Did you try the horse uh, the coaching with the horse? You know what?
1: I I haven't. And I feel bad about that because i i need to do it yeah. um but i have tried little bits like i've tried things like standing near a horse and just mm. trying to get the horse to come towards you mm. just by kind of just by being open and sending some like positive vibes and it's quite amazing what you can do mm. interesting yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting stuff. yeah
0: yeah uh, i mean yeah, these are topics that i'm really passionate about but uh, let's get back to finances and <laughs> personal finances so mm. um as we're recording this, the world economy is, uh, let's say shaky. Um, <laughs> I don't know if the stock market, uh, what level is it at now? Like has it gone down to below 2007, 2008 or,
1: uh, well, let's have a look. You see, it's going up and down so much. I, I haven't checked today. Mm. Um, I, you know, it's so easy to get it into. If you're not careful, you can check like every single hour mm. of the day, you know, so what's the S&P at the moment It's like 2,800 effectively. Mm-hmm. So um, what, what happened obviously until, until February, everything was fine. Then the markets decided, you know, coronavirus was a Chinese problem. And then the markets flipped and they're like, oh, no, it's a global problem. And all these deaths came and it crashed down until May- March the 23rd. And then everyone decided, oh, no, it's not a big deal anymore. And then it boomed up again. And then just recently, oil went um, had a big shocker. And then the price started going down. And now things seem to have leveled out a bit. But what people are saying is that there's a huge disconnect between the optimism shown by Wall Street traders and the fundamentals and what we're seeing on on Main Street, which looks pretty bad. Whether coronavirus is over in two months or not, very unlikely, Mm. by the way. Uh, there is a big fat mess in the economy, in multiple sectors of the economy, the the likes of which we've never seen before. Mm. Um, So it it is a tricky one. And I think uh, this is a great time to get your head around saving and investing. Because if you can, you know, before February, it had been an 11-year bull run And so you could hop into the market and think that it it was always going up. And then when it suddenly goes down, you get a horrible shock and you sell and panic and Mm. and you get out the door and and you can't handle it. But if you can learn now, then you'll never forget the lessons that you learn now and you'll be a much, much better investor for it. So it's a great time to learn.
0: Yeah. So historically these recessions, how long have they like historically lasted? Like, uh, I mean, 1929 and uh, I don't know, in the 80s and this. How long do they normally last this recession if you look back in time?
1: Yeah, I mean, like each one is slightly different. Um, there's The thing about recessions is that um, the new one is always different and it's always the same, right? So mm-hmm. people say like, is there going to be like a V shape or is there going to be like a U shape or even worse? Is it going to be like an L shape where it's like boom, and then just goes down <laughs> and just carries on. Um, we, we literally don't know. And, and I think if, it's dangerous to get into hypotheticals as well, by the way, but you know, what, why not? Let's have, let's have a go. If coronavirus peaks and, and the peak passes and we do okay, and then the economy is able to recover fairly rapidly because everyone just goes outside and spends lots of money, and, and the stimulus that the Fed and other central banks have been putting in, ge- literally giving people money into their bank account, that's been enough to keep all the small businesses going and keep the individuals going, then maybe we'll recover pretty quickly and, and everything will be forgotten. Yeah. But uh, everything that we're seeing about Corona at the moment, the way that it seems like you can get reinfected and that a, a vaccine may not give lifetime immunity, these things suggest that the the likelihood of a second peak coming in the winter period when uh, hospitals are full of flu patients anyway that that means you know more social distancing, more promise for the economy. How long can we keep going with this so so uh, we could see a a pretty long recession, and some people were saying we were due for a recession anyway and and so some companies some sectors that had been kind of hiding behind the good times, you know, we're going to see who was swimming naked, you know, when, when this tide comes out and it, it could be pretty nasty. But my message to Pete, you know, most people who are more than five years away from retiring, if you can hold on to a job and you've got a cash buffer and you're able to invest in the markets, a big old fat recession is amazing for your future retirement portfolio because mm. you can put up on stocks, that are cheap and you're going to hold those stocks for 30 40 50 plus years, but you got them cheap. Mm. So if there's a five year recession, then those of us who are able to keep our jobs and keep generating money and keep buying stocks cheaply. Hallelujah.
0: <laughs> so your name is dead simply saving. So say uh, simple, what, how do you, what is the simple method that you would recommend people to do? Because I think it's not about tracking and it's, uh,
1: yeah, so I, I really believe that you can invest in, in about four hours per year. And um, people imagine that trading stocks is all about reading the Financial Times, watching CNBC, sweating over your keyboards, taking massive risk. It, it's not about that at all. And, and interestingly, the, the four-hour-a-year version of just passive index investing Has been shown to be much more effective over the long term than anything that requires you to sweat over the keyboard. So you can actually spend more time with your friends and family and earning money, engaging your brain in that, and then not engaging your brain in investing. And in fact, one reason my company is called Dead Simple Saving is uh, there was a a study by Fidelity, who's a massive fund manager. and allegedly, they did a, a study where they, they tried to understand who out of the past 10 years of their clients had, millions of clients had performed the best. And what they found was that two types of people, people who were dead and people who had forgotten their login codes and not logged in for 10 years. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that you've got to get your brain out of the way when you're investing because the people who panicked in 2008 and got out of the stock market, Many of them never got in again mm. because it went, and then they never found a way to get back in, and so they've missed out on mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why it's called dead simple saving, because you should just think, if you're feeling like panicking and and selling, and in these times like we all do, like I'm human as well, right? We get these thoughts coming through our brain, which is like, well, maybe I should sell everything, just in case you know, because the market's obviously going to go mm-hmm. down. And then the market doesn't go down and you feel stupid, right? So mm. um, it's so impossible to predict what's going on. The best thing you can do is have a global stock index fund. Or if you're an, uh, an expat, an ETF, an exchange-traded fund, and a global bond fund, find an appropriate mix of of those stock funds and bond funds. If you're under 45, you do like 80% stocks. If you're just about to retire, then you can do 60% stocks. And and that's it. Like Mm. that is it. Every month or every quarter, you keep putting money in. Mm. And it doesn't matter whether China's doing better than America or America's doing better than China. You just keep putting that money. It doesn't matter if the stock market's going up or down. You keep putting money in and you'll just ride that wave. And you have that money in there for 30 years. You know.
0: And you found uh, you find index funds with uh, almost no no fees right with uh, low or no fees at all
1: yeah, I mean fees have come down so much like you literally having a computer run these funds, mm. so it doesn 't require much manpower you don 't have to hand out big bonuses, mm. so companies like Vanguard, another huge fund manager, have been really instrumental in bringing fees down to almost nothing so mm. You can get a
0: global ETF for like 0.2%. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think uh, I have a, in a Swedish bank, and I think it's 0.2 actually, the fee on the, those index funds. Um, but it, so if you still have your job and you still get your salary, uh, when now, I mean, obviously we're going through a recession now, would you increase the money that you put every month because you're buying at the, at the low price? Or would you just if keep you the same? Can.
1: Yeah, great question. If you can do that, then absolutely. The main thing is that you don't have any expensive debt, like anything over 5%, you've got to pay that off first because you're not going to make, on average, more than 5%, 6 7% in the stock market. So pay that debt off first if it's really expensive. You must have three to six months cash as a buffer so that if you get fired, you can live comfortably while you're finding another job. In these crazy times, I would say six months. You've got to understand what your expenses are. Six months total expenses. Then you've got to think two to five years ahead. Do you need to buy a new car, a deposit for a house? You're going to get married, do an MBA, pay the kids university fees. Look, You can't put that money into the stock market because the stock market, as we've seen, is too unpredictable over two to five years. It's very predictable over 30 years. So, so always look ahead and put that money in cash or bonds or something that you're gonna need as a lump sum in two to five years time. Once you've got those safety nets in place, you can put everything in the stock market. Mm -hmm. So so get your safety nets in place and then yeah, you might find that you're putting 50% of your salary in the stock market every month. People are like, that's crazy. But it's not because you put your safety nets in place. The final safety net is bonds. So bonds for downside protection. They tend to go up when stocks go down in value. And, and smooth the, the, the volatility of your portfolio. So, so that's your final safety net. But you can put, you can put like as much of your salary as you have left over in stocks and bonds every, every month. That's going to be transformational for your retirement portfolio. And that's what, when Tony Robbins in his book, Unshakable talks about true resilience, like being unshakable, like coronavirus is not going to shake you. You know, mm. might shake the US economy. It's not going to shake you because you have this big portfolio that you've built up and you've got all your buffers in place. Mm. That's what you're heading towards. Yeah. For, um,
0: there's a lot of listeners that have their own business, uh, small business owners. Uh, what advice would you give to a small business owner during these times?
1: Yeah, so this is more tricky for small business owners because they don't necessarily have a regular cash income stream. And they don't, they may have to reinvest that in their business. And uh, obviously during these difficult times, they have employees to support. It's tough. Mm. If if your business is fairly stable and it's become a bit of a cash cow and it's more and you're taking a salary, regular salary, then you can behave like the other salary people and you can do what I've been talking about. If you're not that yet at that situation, you cannot afford to invest in the stock market and then run out of money and have to yank all your money back out of the stock market in a year's time where it may have gone down 50%. So uh, when you're an entrepreneur investing in the stock market, you just may not be able to do that, um, which is a pity. And if you can, then do it, but not at the expense of resilience. For your business, having a bit of a buffer for your business and having a personal buffer for yourself. People who bet, the, bet their house on their business, this is a very dangerous situation and it will bleed your company dry. And, and you know, I, I, I'm quite lucky in that I've had small businesses. I've also had you know, well-paying jobs. So I've really seen both sides of the equation. And, and for sure, if your business is sucking money, and you're not sure whether to close it or not, now is an amazing time to just admit defeat and close that business and go go and do something else. Because nobody will blame you Mm. for shutting down Mm. during this time, you know? During boom times, it's embarrassing. Yeah,
0: yeah. And friends that have been in this situation, but they they should shut down, but they feel the ego is like, I will look like a failure into my friends if I shut down. But
1: yeah. now yeah. it's so true. I, 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 I really care about this because uh, any small business owner knows like your a failing business will suck cash so fast and a business where your major clients, I mean, this is a problem where, where we've lived, right? Where clients just don't pay you. Mm. It's not a good business. And, and you do not want to remortgage your house. You know, you can get into this kind of gung ho mindset where you're like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I can take the pain, you know, all this money coming out of my account. It's okay. I'll make it back. You, You don't have to do that. If you're just doing that for pride, like just cut your losses. And now is a great time to cut your losses and just get out. And if you just need to go get a salary again, or just go on holiday for six to 12 months, or just stay at home and be kind to yourself and not live on very much for a year, you will get back on your feet. But don't don't allow yourself to have a business that is bleeding you dry because that will ruin your retirement, like ruin it, absolutely ruin it. So if you have lots of employees and no income, uh, yeah, to the extent that you can keep them, through government protection schemes, a little bit of your own money, for sure. But, but maybe if you've got any dead wood, if you've got some underperformers, now's the time you must get rid of them. And maybe you have to shrink down to your arc, where you know, your, core, your core business is gonna survive mm. this flood. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, for me personally, um, I am uh, involved in several businesses that are heavily affected now like events and uh, team buildings that is uh, of course zero now. But uh, the the good part for me is that I have very low fixed costs. So that's, um, (laughs) that's a savior during these times. Yeah.
1: And I think, I think sometimes you learn that by trial and error, you know, you're in a business, either you're in a business that has high overheads and you're like, I'm never going to do that. Or you have a business where you have employees and then you realize that this is painful and, So, yeah, I'm, I'm super flexible. Um, my margins are like 80, 85 mm. plus percent because it's just me. Most mm. of the time, you know, I have a part time uh, operations manager and then it's just me. So, of course, my overheads are, mm. are low. And, and that means, you know, the, we have been able to ride this storm mm. pretty well so far. Because we haven't panicked, we have cash. Um, partly by virtue, I just happened to sell my flat just before uh just before the crash.
0: Ah, oh, good timing, yeah. Huh?
1: Yeah, lucky. I thought it was bad timing, but it turned out to be good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> selling a flat in the UK during Brexit is not a good idea, but uh, but I did it and and now I i have that cash profit. So whatever happens, we're not gonna be out on the street, you know. Yeah. So we're very fortunate. And so what I want to do is take that good position I'm in and try and help other people mm. uh, so that I can say that, that I, I did something useful in this crisis. I didn't just sit at home and watch Netflix. You know, I can't easily be on the front lines. Mm. I don't think. Yeah. So I have to find ways to help people. Yeah.
0: So I'm thinking uh, the the other category are people that are employed, but they, in dubai there's a lot of people on unpaid leave in Sweden there's a lot of people that are taking pay cuts uh, like temporary pay cuts so they have a job but uh, they're a little bit less uh, financial the situation is not as good uh, and i wrote uh, I read one of your emails where you were talking about you know starting something like a content driven business so what are your thoughts on this
1: yeah i mean if you if you're taking a pay cut or or you've lost your job the first thing to do is get control of your finances like you've got to understand what your income and your expenses are going to be and if you can cash flow like day by day to see when you're going to run out of money so you can see it in advance it's super important then you have got to understand what cash you have like what sources of, of cash you have your assets all around so that you know how much runway you have and how long you've got before you run out If you know, okay, I've got six months to find a job, you can take a deep breath. You can find a job that you really like. If you realize that you've got one month, then yeah, you need to start hustling straight away. Um, So the first, first thing is get control of your finances. Don't have a head in the sand approach. Make the most of any government initiatives, like loan payment holidays, uh, any furlough money that, that the government is providing, like anything use those lifelines, and then start getting creative. You know, If you should start having a think about what if your industry just collapses and you lose your job? What if you get cut in half, like your, your money gets cut in half? How are you gonna survive? Plan these things in advance. It's worth just spending an hour just thinking about these things because then when it happens, you will have already thought about it and it'll be less stressful for you. Now, you may be able to get a job with another company. You might be able to get another job in a different industry that values whatever skills you have. Like what skills do you have? Think about that. Like why would people pay you? And it may be that a company would pay you or it may be that people pay you individually or businesses pay you individually because you have those skills. So I'm always inspired by Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income where he was an architect and in 2008 just got fired. And suddenly like all his dreams, all those exams that he took just count for nothing because he's out on the street. No one wants young architects anymore. And he dusted himself off and he's like, well, I love the internet and I see this opportunity here. And what skills do I have? Well, I know how to pass architecture exams. So he starts selling these online guides. So passing his architecture exams and people start buying them. And that sets him on the path. And now he literally has his own conference, FlynnCon, right? He wouldn't have had that if he hadn't got fired. So I, I want people to, to think laterally and think you know, creatively. What could you do to survive this period if you get fired or if you take a massive pay cut? But what could you do just stepping away from your job, stepping away from your industry, it's never been easier to set up an online business. I mean, you know about this, right? How to set up an online business or to set up a blog or to set up a, a store on Etsy or something or, or to create an online course. It has never been easier and it's never been cheaper. We're talking like 100 dollars max is going to cost you to do this. The biggest cost is going to be your, your guts, you know, your bravery to do this. When you just got knocked down, you're like, okay, I used to be a big shot at work. Now I'm going to put myself out there as some kind of guru and my ex-boss is going to laugh at me. Well, let him laugh at you, you know, because like no one cares. No one cares, right? Let 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 that guy laugh at you. <laughs> there
0: you go. So I recommend all the listeners to go to Dead Simple Saving and sign up for the newsletter and then uh, Steve will send out some valuable tips and information on there and then there you also find information to, if you want to sign up for the workshop that you do, the 10-hour workshop. Yep. Yeah.
1: yep, every other weekend uh, we're doing it all online these days mm. so yeah. you can have people from all over the world mm. and uh, we assume no knowledge so we just start from the very basics, how to sort out your mindset, how to plan your finances, how to figure out how much money you need for retirement, how much you can put in the stock market, what you should put it in and, and how you get it there.
0: Yeah, excellent. Uh, everything
1: uh, you need to know. Yeah,
0: nice. so uh, that, uh, we're coming to the end, but I, there's, there was one thing that I forgot that I wanted to ask you: um, Bitcoin cryptocurrencies. Are you a fan <laughs> or no fan? The half. What was it called? Um, the halfling is coming soon. Uh, or halfing or what, what do they call it that uh, time? I'm not a
1: massive fan of Bitcoin. I'm hedging my bets in that I have invested in an institutional crypto brokerage. That will allow uh, big institutions and, and private um, private investors to to invest in, in crypto. But myself, uh, you know, I'm all about the long term. I'm not buying, and selling uh, Bitcoin. I think I don't even own a Bitcoin. Maybe I'll, I'll, you know, fund money. Maybe I'll just buy a Bitcoin just mm. for laughs. <laughs> but um, I, I'm not really tracking. It. I'm not really following it. Who knows? Uh, Bitcoin hasn't really lived up to its expectations in this current recession, unfortunately, Mm. as a safe haven. So, yeah, uh, maybe in the future, but it's a a rocky ride for crypto. Uh, For sure. We're not in the car waters yet.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. uh, I'm following the space just because it's interesting with the new technology, with the blockchain and all this Uh, thank you so much for taking the time, Steve. Uh, do you have anything else you want to leave the listeners with?
1: Yeah, look, don't panic. These are, these are crazy times, historic times, interesting times. You know, It's not easy to, to live through this. Don't panic and sell all your, all your stocks. Don't panic if you lose your job or you get a big pay cut. There are, there are always things you can do. Take control of your finances. Write it all down. Track it. Take a deep breath find all the resources you know, like google financial independence you get much better recommendations than if you google personal finance uh, there are people out there who will help you get through this for free right financial independence is a great keyword mm. so yeah don't don't panic we've we've got your back
0: perfect thank you so much for that that's exactly what i think people need so thank you here you go, Steve and I give some tips and tricks on your financial situation during a crisis, but also beyond the crisis. The, 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 the things that Steve are talking about is actually long-term saving plans. If you want to learn more about strategic tech coaching, you can go to strategictechcoaching.com. And we have information about our coaching system there. You can also go to YouTube and search for strategic tech coaching. And you'll find more videos with tips and tricks on how to use technology for a happy, successful, productive life. We have a new coaching program that mixes mental training and coaching. And you can find that program by going to strategic tech coaching, mental training and coaching. Thank you so much for listening.